We'll look at a few verses here and see what we can learn from the Word of God. I have been challenging myself here lately to study some hard uh, passages in Scripture, and uh, uh, not necessarily to preach, but uh, to just study in my personal time and try to wrap my head around and try to see what I can find in them and uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And I ran across this passage. Uh, I've heard it, read it. I've not heard much preaching on it, though. And, um, and as a matter of fact, as I started uh, searching through uh, my library there and in uh, somewhere around, I guess, uh, on uh, Logos, uh, Bible study software I use, everything I've got just about is digital. I think I've, uh, I've, got, around, I've got around 2,000 books on that digital, and then uh, I've got several uh, it's still in boxes, unfortunately, at the house. I haven't unpacked all of my uh, print library yet. And uh, what I found was not a lot of, uh, not a lot of writing on these, t- on these three verses, and um, I found absolutely no sermons on them, uh, which was pretty amazing in, in this day and hour. I mean, there was some online uh, through the Internet, but in, in all of my library, I didn't find one sermon on, this, on these three verses, not saying they don't exist. I just didn't find them. And I uh, started studying through here, and uh, Lord willing, we're going to preach out of uh, Matthew chapter number 12. If you found your place, let's uh, stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God this morning as uh, we read some very interesting verses here. Look in verse number 43 of Matthew chapter 12, verse number 43, uh, where the Bible says here, when the, this is Jesus speaking uh, to the Pharisees or to the the religious leaders of that day, the scribes and Pharisees. Anyways, um, he, he says in verse 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, I need your help today. I thank you for the singing. I thank you for uh, God, uh, the special singing and the choir, God. And and Father, I pray uh, that you would help me and use me for just a little while, God, uh, through which you could speak your your words today, God. Help me to rightly divide your truth, Father. And God, the only truth that, that we have is from you. And God, I pray that you would help me to handle it properly and responsibly this morning, Father. God, I pray that you would help every heart that is here, God, every person within the sound of my voice. God, I pray that you would touch them and help them today and do that work that only you can do. Save the lost, dear Father. And God, uh, reclaim those who are backslidden on you. Father, have your willing way. And help us, Father. We certainly need you uh, today, Father. Help our nation, help our world. And God, help us as we dig into your truth, uh, the truth of your word uh, today, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated this, uh, this morning. Now, in the 17th century, uh, Blaise Pascal helped us understand the concept of 
what a vacuum is. Vacuums have always existed, and uh, I'm thinking about uh, Dust Devil, but uh, we're talking about bigger, uh, the concept of a vacuum, all right? And uh, Blaise Pascal, he conducted several experiments that showed how a vacuum exists. And the experiments that he did also helped us establish the relationship between atmospheric pressure and altitude. So uh, he, was, uh, he was a very smart individual and uh, helped us understand a lot about science. But one thing else that he was is he was also a, a self-proclaimed devout Christian. And uh, there is a quote that he is famous for, and uh, this is the quote. He stated, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. That's a pretty good quote. I say amen to that. You know, that quote right there captures his belief that humans are inherently religious creatures. How does he know that? Well, it's apparent that Mr. Pascal was a student of the Word of God. Because we find those things in the Word of God. I find it amazing that I have talked to missionaries before that have taken the gospel into third world countries. And here's what they find oftentimes. They'll go to a village that nobody has ever been to. They, they, you know, and, and what they have found is that people are worshiping. Why is that? Because there is something put into us. That seeks to worship. Now, are they worshiping God? I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but worshiping, they will, uh, people will worship. Uh, the question uh, of the matter is, what are they worshiping? Are you worshiping God? Are you worshiping nature? Hey, we worship our jobs. We worship uh, trees. I mean, we, uh, you, you look at people, even an atheist that says that God doesn't, God doesn't exist, they worship something. You know who they worship? They worship themselves. Because they say man is at the top. Man is all that there is. There is no higher uh, intelligent life form other than man. And so, you know what that tells me? It tells me they're worshiping themselves. And what's my point this morning? We all worship. We all worship. We were literally made that way. We have a deep-seated desire for God. Oftentimes, we just don't know that. Nothing else can truly satisfy that desire. You remember if you was here on Wednesday, I mentioned this because we were talking about an introduction to cults. Why do people believe much of the nonsense that cults teach? It's because they're looking for something. They don't understand why. And the reason why people like Jim Jones and people uh, like, uh, I mean, we just went through several different ones. Uh, The reason why people are so susceptible to that is because these people seem to have all the right answers at the right time. People are seeking for things. And uh, only God, though, can satisfy this desire. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 10, I gave this on Wednesday, says, Ye are complete in Him. Nothing else we will ever be complete in. And we were not made to be empty in our inner being. We are made to be indwelt by someone other than ourselves. Now, what is that, preacher? It is the Holy Spirit of God. That's what we are made to. And I know I'm I'm not going off in left field this morning. I'm talking about things that need to be preached about more often. And so 
Our souls cannot exist in a vacuum. In other words, let me tell you today, church, there is no neutral area when it comes to our souls. We have people out there say, well, I just don't believe that. Well, doesn't make it not true. You don't have neutral ground. There is no neutral playing ground. If we don't allow Jesus to occupy His proper place in our inner being through the person of His Holy Spirit, then no matter what else we may believe, we are not simply living in a state of spiritual neutrality. We, in fact have created a vacuum in our own souls. And that vacuum, I want you to know this morning, will inevitably and irresistibly be filled by something or someone other than Jesus Christ. In other words, either we are a child of God or we are a child of the devil. It's that black and white. It really is. That's what the Bible teaches us. The Bible recognizes only two kinds of people in this world. And we find them in 1 John 3.10. The Bible says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. You're either or. I've said it this way. If you don't believe in God, then you're a Satanist. Well, I don't believe in... You know, you may step back and say, Well, preacher, I don't believe in Satan either. Well, he believes in you. You're either for God or you're against God. There is no neutral playing ground. Men do not get to make the decision, well, I'm just, I'm just gonna stand, I'm just gonna stand out here and, and do nothing. Am I making sense this morning? If you're not for God, you're against God. Plain and simple. If you're not a child of God, then you're a child of the devil. Plain and simple. That's what the Bible teaches. And what I want you to understand today in this message is that an empty heart is a dangerous place. An empty heart is a dangerous place. If you don't have Jesus occupying your heart, you are in great danger. Now, back in verse number 22, let me give you some context here. Back in verse 22 of chapter 12, we read how our Lord had cast a demon out of a man who was blind and mute. And as a result, healed him so that he could both see and speak. And by the way, while I'm talking about this, I just want you to understand something this morning. Demons are real. Demonic possession is real. I think so many times, uh, especially I saw this growing up in church, we tend to kind of push this off to the side and make it a taboo, uh, kind of a taboo thing to talk about. But it is real. It is real. Jesus certainly believed in it. And honey, if you truly believe what the Word of God says, and you tell me you're a child of God, and you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of your being, then guess what? That makes it completely possible that the opposite of the Holy Spirit would also indwell a person. You cannot believe in salvation and the Holy Spirit without believing in demonic possession as well. It's kind of like people that say they believe in heaven, but they don't believe in hell. You don't get to do that. It's like people say, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Satan. It doesn't work like that. There is a positive and a negative for everything. You can't just have the positive all the time. It doesn't work. You try to get a battery or something powered up off of just the positive side of a battery and you won't get anything. 
As a matter of fact, you go try to hook up a light switch in your house or a power outlet and only hook in the hot wire and not the neutral and it ain't going to work. And so it is. I mean, I'm just saying those are practical examples, but so it is with things like good and evil. You can't just have good without evil. You can't have God without Satan. You can't have the Holy Spirit without demons. You see, I told you on on Wednesday when we were going over cults, every single thing that God has, Satan has an opposite. No matter what you can think of. And so, God has His angels. The devil has His angels. God had His Son, Christ Jesus. The devil has the Antichrist. God has salvation. I've even mentioned it like a salvation experience, a born-again experience. Well, the devil's got the same thing and he's deceiving people like crazy with these things. So back in verse 22, our Lord had cast a demon out of this man who was blind and mute, and as a result, he healed him. Well, the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees who saw this miracle dared to say that Jesus had cast the demon out of the man uh, by Beelzebub, the prince of the demons. That's what they tell him in verse number 24. In other words, the religious leaders of that day claimed that Jesus did this by the power of the devil. Now, Jesus responded to them by disproving their ridiculous and blasphemous accusation. And then he warned them that they were demonstrating themselves to be evil men who speak evil from their evil hearts. So Matthew chapter 12, verse number 35, he says, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. And then he spoke the sobering words that we find in our text verses today. He says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return to my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So he's talking about a single person. And then he tells them the entire generation is like that. Jesus, I tell you, that's something to think about, isn't it? He says, not only are you like this, but even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. We're talking about a whole nation is what he's talking about. Man, that's that's something to think about, isn't it? An empty generation full of demons. And you go home today and you think about what's going on in our world, all right? The key word I believe in this whole text is the word empty. The word empty. The unclean spirit or the demon had left. And we are not told how that came to be. Y'all listen, listen close this morning, I tell you. This was hard to study, it's hard to preach. But we need to hear it. We're not told how it came to be, how this man, uh, uh, the unclean spirit, had left, but perhaps God had shown great mercy to the man. 
and allowed him release from the bondage and oppression of this demon. Perhaps God in His great mercy allowed the man some time to temporarily turn away from sin. Perhaps the man even began to be inclined toward God and to search after spiritual things. In fact, it may even be that the man heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and began to be drawn to it for a time. Do you see where I'm getting at here? I speculate all of that, but there's one thing for sure this morning that we know, and that is, uh, and this is very important to notice, as whatever else may be true of this man, he clearly fell short of a genuine relationship with God, and the Holy Spirit had not taken up residence within him, and the demon had departed from him, and he remained empty, is what the Lord says. But he only remained empty for a short time. A vacuum had been created in his inner being, but that vacuum would not be a vacuum very long. Out of the man, the demon is said to be restless. And you know, demons are driven by a strong desire to harm God's creation, including us. They can't rest until there is an opportunity to carry out their evil plots. And the Bible seems to suggest to us that it's kind of a torture for a demon to roam about without inhabiting someone. One account from the Bible even seems to suggest that a demon would rather inhabit a herd of swine than to be wandering about without a home. You find that in Mark chapter 5, you find it in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 31, after, after Jesus uh, exercised the demons out of, uh, out of the uh, maniac of Gadara, as we know, uh, the, de- the, the Bible tells us the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. That tells me just the thought. Now it's interesting. Uh, before they ask that of Jesus... Back up in verse 29, they look at Jesus and say, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? That's interesting, isn't it? They know. They know what's up. They know what's going on. And and they ask Jesus, so what all this tells me is that just the thought of being cast into the lake of fire was enough for demons to cry out in terror at the present time. Presence of Jesus. They'd rather take up residence in a herd of swine than be restless, rather than be searching. That's interesting. So then, we find this man in our text. He's not embraced the grace of God. He's not embraced the grace of God, and he remains uninhabited by the Spirit of God. And this restless demon who knows exactly where the man is says this in verse 44. I will return into... Look, just just think about this. I will return into my house from whence I came out. So he's out for just a little bit and he's restless and the man doesn't feel... Ah, I hope that making sense this morning. There's a reason why there's not a lot of preaching out of these verses. So, so this demon, he goes out and he, he, he's restless and he's running around for a little while and then he gets a thought. He says, hey, I'm going to go back. I'm going to see what's going on. When the demon returned, he found that the man had made it a very comfortable home to return to. 
The man had apparently made some moral reformation, reformation in his life. He apparently made some moral reforms. He apparently had turned over a new leaf. Y'all getting where I'm coming from? He had cleaned up his act. He may even have decorated it up a little bit with a few new religious habits and pseudo-spiritual practices. But in spite of all of these things that he had done to, quote, clean up, there was no one else taking residence within that home. The man's inner being was still empty. The demon returned to find it empty, swept, and garnished. That literally means put in order. He got everything put in order. And what a dreadful and what a dangerous thing mere moral reform is when Jesus is left out of it. If y'all don't know where I'm getting at this morning, we've got a lot of people that come into our church we got a lot of people that come up into a hard time and they're calling the preacher and they're calling the pastor and they are, uh, they are instead of actually trusting and looking to Jesus, they get just a little bit of religion to get them to turn over a new leaf. Try to clean up their own home. And they do clean up their own home for a little while. Y'all see the picture here? Remember who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to that evil generation. He's talking to the vipers in a wicked generation. He's talking to religious people. He's talking to men there that would, I mean, I'll just be real with you. They know more of the Bible than I do. And many of us. You go speak to a Jewish leader even today, man. I'm telling you what, they know the Torah front to back, left to right, up and down. They know. And yet they're empty inside. Why is that? Because it's religion. What a lot of people get today, they get just enough religion to make them try to put their best foot forward, to try to, try to do better. And my friend, if you don't have Jesus, you're in a very dangerous place. You know what happens? The demon finding the house in order and clean, but empty, he then goes, and the Lord tells us he takes with him seven other spirits. What? More wicked than himself. And they all come back and enter the empty man who has cleaned up his house. If y'all don't see how this works, I'm sure you in your lives have just as I have in my life seen people as you thought got saved, thought they turned over a new leaf, thought they done, you know, it's doing good, and today they're more wicked than they've ever been. Jesus is telling us why that happens. 
Jesus tells us the last state of that man is worse than the first. It's not just that his condition became as bad as it once was when only one demon indwelt him, nor is it that his condition became merely seven times as bad because now seven more demons indwelt him than before, so we've got eight demons, but his condition now becomes unspeakably and indescribably worse because that demon brings in seven more demons that are even more wicked than he was. Man, isn't that interesting? Demons do occupy people. They also drive and tempt and entice and lure and seduce and persuade people to join them in uncleanness all the time. They entice people to commit sin so that they will be just like them. Demons want us to be like they are. And enticing us to follow their ways and make us restless, yearning, hungry human beings, always eating, but never being satisfied. They make us demonic roamers of the earth. I got Bible to back that up. I never saw it this way until this week. I was looking at all this. Think about Cain and his punishment. Back in Genesis, after murdering his brother Abel, God told him in Genesis chapter 4 verse 12, When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. Listen to this. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Think about that. A vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. He would be a restless wanderer on the earth. And the Bible continues in verse 13 and 14 and says, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Okay, that's number one. Do you see how much Cain is like the devil? Or like the demons at this point? Thinking about what we have here in Matthew 12. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 12 tells us that Cain was of that wicked one who is none other than Satan, the adversary. Cain was demonic, just to put it plainly. Now, this concept also applied to Israel. This is interesting, y'all. I hope this helps somebody. When Israel refused to enter the promised land, in Numbers chapter 32, verse 13, the Bible says, and the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and He made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. What happened to them? They wandered in the wilderness. They roamed in the wilderness. All right, well, if you still don't believe me, let me take you to Psalms. David spoke of evil men in his day in the same terms. Psalm chapter 59 verse 14 and 15 says this, And at evening let them return, and let them make a noise like a dog, and go around about the city. Let them wander up and down for meat, and grudge if they be not satisfied. Boy, I, I, I mean, you go back to the Old Testament with Israel. In the wilderness, they were constantly having hardship. They were restless, looking for meat, looking for water. Looking for, I mean, 
And then David writes about the, uh, the, the, <clears throat> the evil men of his day in Psalm 59 in the same way. Let me tell you what all that is. That describes the behavior of demons. People are hungry and searching for something and the devil keeps prodding them on and they are never satisfied. That theme is crystal clear in our Bible today. Restlessness, roaming, searching but not finding, hungry and consuming but never satisfied. Y'all, this is demonic. You look around at our world today. You look around at our nation today. You look around at our friends today and perhaps even family. We have people that are killing themselves working 24 hours a day, 7 days a week just so they can afford something they don't even need. Why? Because they have, a, a, they have an insatiable appetite for material things of this world. I'm telling you what is driving our society today, what is driving the people around us today is demonic. And here's you something else. If you don't believe that, Ephesians 2.2 tells us, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You want to know what's up with the world today? You want to know what's driving everything that we see today? You want to know what's driving uh, Washington today? You want to know what's driving Hamas today? You want to know what's driving Korea and Russia and Australia and the entire world system? It is none other than the prince and the power of the air which we know is Satan himself. Maybe you've tried to clean up your life as a result of hearing and seeing Jesus, but just because, you, you, but because you've neglected or refused to follow Him, the Bible tells us you're going to wind up worse than before. You want to know why so many people's hearts are hard? I used to struggle. I struggled so bad. I'd go out trying to witness and, and go out and try to talk to people. Everybody around Surrey County is as confused as a termite and a yo-yo when it comes to Christianity. I think right now, <clears throat> you, you go try to talk to people and it's hard to even know how to talk to them. Because every word you say, it's like they completely miss what you're trying to tell them. It's like they can't even, I mean, it's hard, to, it's even hard for me to explain. People are just so confused. I've had some people in my life I've tried to witness to, and I've witnessed to them multiple times. And they just keep rejecting, they just keep rejecting. You know what happens? Every time I've seen people come up and make a profession, and but yet you never see them, and you'll go visit them every now and then. And you know what I see in my life? I see them get harder and harder and harder and harder to witness to. And you know why? Because their last state is worse than the first. If you merely try to clean up your life, if you merely try to make some sort of moral reform in your life, you merely try to, to uh, turn over a new leaf in your life, but you don't accept Jesus into that house. 
you're going to wind up far worse than you ever started. And I've seen it in so many people's lives. You think today we, we talk, I've been keeping up real close with what's going on in Israel. I want to pray for the peace of Israel. That's what the Bible tells us to do. And we look how, how the world is slowly turning their attitude toward Israel. Oh, everybody wants Israel to cease fire. And what's going to happen if Israel ceases fires is Hamas is going to come in and take them out. See, it's not good enough for uh, them to have peace. They're never going to have peace until the Prince of Peace comes. They're never going to have true peace. And it's not enough that they coincide together because Hamas wants the Jews eradicated. It's not enough. They don't want them to live. They want them gone off the face of the earth. They'll never be satisfied until they have the last one. You know why? Because they are full of the devil. This is a spiritual war. Oh yes, I know there are men with guns on this side and men with guns over here. But what we are seeing is spiritual that is driving all of this. They are insatiable. Those people over there, the Arabs, Hamas, that area, they're descendants of, of Esau. You can read back through your Bible and everything that they're doing is crystal clear. They're mad. They're still mad because Jacob got the birthright instead of Esau. Esau sold it off. I need to preach about that one time. I wish I could. The Lord just ain't led me that way. But what we're seeing is spiritual in nature. And then we see the leaders of the world turning. And they're, they're set, what I don't understand, I told my wife just the other day, I said, I just don't get it. Don't they understand? They, they made a big deal out of and And it's so sad that innocent lives have to be taken. And you've got a terrorist organization over there that runs the Gaza Strip, that is building their headquarters and their, their, their areas that they are working out of and using civilians as shields. And now you've got the entire world. They can't see that, but they're all turning against Israel, Israel because they're saying the loss of innocent life is just too much. When Hamas came in on a holy day in Israel, and absolutely slaughtered everybody that was there. And yet our world sees Israel as the problem. Why is that? Because of what I am reading you today. Because of what our Savior has told us today. What we have read in the Word of God today. The prince and power of the air is running society right now. Now God, please... Get me clear on this. God is sovereign. The prince, and they're, they're all working according to the prince and power of the air. And you know what? I've said it like this before and I'll say it again. The devil's only doing what he's allowed to do. Well, preacher, why is all this happening? Because things are about to get a lot better. 
because they're getting so bad. What do I mean? The coming of the Lord is nigh. The rapture of the church is upon us. We're closer than we've ever been. And we see all of these things unfolding in our eyes. We see our society going these ways. And we can read it right from there. That's why I say the Bible is more accurate than tomorrow's newspaper. I've heard that all my life. And I understand what the preachers mean by that. If you'll read your Bible, you'll understand it. And I've said it like this before. The devil is nothing but a dog. He's nothing but a dog with a chain that is in the hand of God Almighty. Because God is sovereign. And things are looking really good because things are looking really bad. I'm going home. I don't know about y'all. I'm going to glory. I am an ambassador of Christ, the Bible says. And when things go unfriendly between heaven and this earth, I'm going home to safety. That's what first. I, go home and think about that. I preached on that not long ago. But let me tell you something this morning. I've got to quit. If that vacuum, if that void isn't filled with the Spirit of God, then it will ultimately be filled with a multitude of other things that will make you worse off than before. Here's the thing. We simply can't reform our own hearts this morning. The Scriptures teach us that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. And honey, you can't reform a dead corpse. It's a hopeless and futile endeavor to try to bring something to life that is dead. Instead, our only hope this morning is the grace of God. Our only hope this morning is new life and righteousness of Christ. And you see, when Jesus died on the cross as an atonement or as a payment for our sin. He not only bore our sin, not only was our sin imputed or transferred to Him, but His righteousness was imputed and transferred to our account. We need the righteousness of God that's found only in His Son. We have no ability to manufacture this on our own. However, the Pharisees and many within their generation were deceived into thinking that their works were enough. And that unavoidably invited the demons to fill the void. This is what Jesus is telling them. I'm not off in left field here. They replaced compassion with legalism, which helped them feel superior to others and which in turn allowed them on occasion to displace God's will with their own legalistic interpretations of the law. They were forced out. Let me... Let me tell you what happened here with these people. They forced out what was noticeably evil, but replaced it with an evil of their own making. Thereby allowing them to ultimately reject God's Messiah. Let me just say, and I'll be done, there's only one place today for your weary soul, your restless soul, your wandering soul to find rest. There's only one place Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. When we welcome Jesus into our lives in an ongoing and a personal and a loving way so that he makes himself at home and in our hearts and he occupies it, he pushes out any evil thing that would attempt to come in. 
You can put it this way. The demon, as it were, may come back to us. Thinking to return to his old home. And he may find his old home swept and put in order. But you know what? He no longer finds it empty. Instead, he finds Jesus Christ there. The former tenant would not dare come back in so long as Jesus makes his home there. Despite what's going around in our world today, this is a message for another time. A child of God cannot be possessed demonically. See, you got the Holy Spirit living in you if you're a saved, born-again child of God, and there ain't no room for nobody else in there. We got a bunch of guys teaching that mess nowadays that Christians are, uh, now, I'm not saying the devil won't mess with you. Y'all know what I believe about that. He messes with me 24 hours a day, I think. But I'm not his. Y'all understand that? There's a difference. I got the Holy Spirit inside of me controlling me. Amen? The Bible says be filled with the Spirit. Allow yourself. Hey, I can't live the Christian life on my own. I can't do what I'm supposed to do on my own. It's only by allowing the control of the Holy Spirit that I can do the right thing. Yeah. As long as the Holy Spirit's there, that demon just going to have to find somewhere else to go. Amen. Let's bow our heads, stand all over the house. Miss Stone, come play for us.